about the greatest gift, and the greatest gift is peace that Jesus gave. Uh, and why we say that's the greatest gift, because I mean, we talk about his sacrifice, we talk about his love, we talk about what he's done for us, and, and those are all true, but Jesus himself is peace. We talked about how uh, he's now peace on earth, uh, and that we can have that peace just like Simeon did, um, as Pastor Ben talked about it last week, of, of when we have that peace uh, because of what was promised to us. And so we hold on to those promises uh, as that happens. And, um, but what happens when peace is challenged? When, uh, how can we say that we have peace like Simeon, but then wrestle with what Jesus says? I have come to bring fire on earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and what constraint I am under until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I came to give division. I mean, if Jesus himself is peace, but then he says, I haven't come to give peace, I bring division. Wait a minute, peace is challenged. Pastor Roger, you're talking about how Jesus is peace, and that's nice, because I like to have peace of mind. I don't know about you, but a lot of people do a lot of things to get peace of mind, right? I mean, there are apps on your phone that you, you take a few minutes each day and calm yourself. Just relax, right? Because people are searching for peace in a world that has nothing but division. I mean, think about it. Either you're pro-blue or anti-blue. Maybe you are pro-vaccinated, unvaccinated. Maybe you're pro-mask, unmasked. Maybe you are, you know, for injustice or whatever it is. I mean, I could keep going on the list. I don't think I need to. But there's lots of division out there. And when Jesus came, he says, I'm not here to bring peace, but division. There's a sense that Part of what Jesus says there in that statement is the fact that the peace that they thought they were going to get versus the peace that they did get. Too many times we, people are searching for peace. They, they keep trying to find it, and it, they get a false sense of peace. They get this idea that they have uh, a moment of tranquility, but it, really it just kind of falls flat. When presented with the peace of Jesus and the truth that he brings, you can do one of two things with it. You can either cherish it or compromise it. When Jesus presents you with truth, his peace, you can cherish it or compromise it. Now, how do, you, how do I know that? Why is it only two things? Isn't there a middle ground? No. The reason why there's a division, there's either a yes or a no, a black and a white, a truth and untruth, a truth and a lie. But I know that because I see it right there in Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at what happens when the truth is presented, when it comes with the wise men. I'm going to 
Now, to set the stage, Matthew writes his gospel for two purposes. One, to show uh, the Israelites, the Jewish people, the fulfillment of prophecy. He's the one that quotes the most Old Testament scriptures in his book. He also relates that the Gentiles are always, or the non-Jewish people, are always accepted by God. Why is that? How do I know that? Well, look at his genealogy. He includes four women. Something unheard of when it comes to genealogies. And all of the women, besides what, Mary? Well, maybe Tamar. I mean, Ruth was an outsider, right? Brought in. And Matthew's the only one that talks about the wise men coming. Keep that in the back of your mind as we kind of jump here because the, uh, the wise men, they come seeking, right? They see the star. They're astrologers. They study the stars. And they realize that something has changed. A new star has been born. Think about that for a moment, okay? Let's get your scientific brain on. We know that, I mean, I don't remember the equation quite yet, uh, but the idea of that it takes so many light years away, right, for you to see a star. Like if, the, if, if our sun burnt out, right, and it stopped with all of its sunlightness, right, we'd have eight minutes before we'd even realize it, and then we'd be done. Right, because it takes eight minutes for that, and that's the biggest one we got. But the far away stars, when did God create that star for the wise men then to eventually see it? The cosmos changed when Jesus was born. Anyway, God is so good. All right, so, so they saw the stars, right, and they go, and as any good people would do, any good travelers would do, right, you would go and see the king because a king would know if a new king had been born, right? I mean, you would expect that, right? And so the wise men, okay, if we say the trio, whatever is three gifts, but the trio goes and they see him and they're like, hey, where's the king of the Jews? How did they know it was a Jewish king from the star? That's interesting. But they, so they go and they say, hey, where are the king of the Jews? Right? And, and then Herod was like, hey, uh, let me go get the scribes, right? Because he didn't know that Jesus had been born. He, he didn't realize it. He goes and gets the scribes. He's like, where's the Messiah? And they're like, oh, it's going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, go to Bethlehem, right? And they're like, okay. So let's pick up in verse 9. Verse 9, it says this. After they had heard the king that he should be born in Bethlehem, right? And then, of course, you know, the king was like, oh, and, and bring it back to let me know so I can go worship him too, right? After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So did they really even need to ask King Herod what was going on if the star moved? Anyway. Uh, verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, and 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and, and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child from his, and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. When Herod realized, verse 16, that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Let's stop there and pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would hide your servant behind the cross today. Holy Spirit, anoint my tongue. Let me speak your words, not mine. I pray that you would open all of our ears, our minds, our hearts, and that we would be able to receive your word, that it would take root and change our lives today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I said you had two choices, right? You can either cherish it, or compromise what was being told to you, the truth, the peace of Jesus. The wise men, what do you think they did? They cherished it. See, the wise men, they traveled. Okay, it was going... Now, maybe... I find it interesting that they were considered wise men. Are they wise because they studied stars? Or were they wise because of what they said to people? Were they wise because they made good investments? Because they clearly had money. Why were they wise? Could it have been Solomon's words? I mean, we know that people from around the world traveled to hear Solomon, right? Queen of Bathsheba. Maybe Solomon's Proverbs had reached Oriental lands. The beginning of all wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Maybe these wise men feared the God. I mean, I'm sure there were other astrologers, right? There would have had to been. Other people that were listening to the, or reading the stars, they would have seen the same new star that had appeared. Why didn't they travel? Why, why were these people? Hey, Pastor Ben, do you have the microphone? Can you bring that here for me? Thank you. But as they looked at that, some of the thoughts are, did they... uh, Why were these ones that traveled so far? What compelled them to go? Was it a... Hmm... Was it because it was just cool and convenient and they wanted to be the first ones there? Because clearly they weren't, the shepherds were. I mean, it costed them their time. When you search for peace, when you search for truth, it's going to cost you some time. Because as they sought out Jesus, as they sought out the new king, they didn't even know his name, right? 
they understood that it was going to cost them something. And one is their time. That thought that peace just doesn't automatically happen, does it? We all have struggles. We all have things we wrestle with. So it's okay not to be okay. It's okay when you don't understand why things are happening. It's going to cost you some time. But the more time you spend seeking Jesus, I guarantee you peace will come. Peace will be there as you continue to search. They also gifted. When the wise men came, they brought gifts. Right? These gifts were prophetic. If you've studied them, right, gold was for his kingly attributes. The frankincense was a precious perfume. Myrrh had unique qualities that for, for burial. All of them had this prophetic meaning to them. I'm not going to dive all, into all that today, but the thought is that when they came, they knew something greater than even maybe the moment. That's what peace will bring you. Peace will bring you a calmness to understand things farther than what you can grasp in the moment that's happening. And as we pursue peace, Jesus, we get to understand the prophetic, the futuristic stuff. That's a reason why I don't worry about Revelation. Revelation, the book of Revelation was never meant for us to worry. It was meant to, hey, take peace. I got this. We win in the end. <laughs> right? Like, take peace. It's okay. It's prophetic. It's, it's for futuristic. It's not because, hey, I don't need to worry about dragons and, and weird ladies giving birth. It's, it's crazy, right? But what I need to worry about is Jesus. If I focus on him, I'm good. I can have a peace that passes all understanding. And it's prophetic. The gifts were also very purposeful. Think about that, right? The wise men get there. They give them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very expensive stuff. That same night, after they left, maybe not one night. I mean, if you traveled a while, you probably want to stay around, right? And that would be a little weird uh, uh, house guest. Right? All of a sudden, this entourage walks in, and you're like, uh, you at the right house? Uh, yeah, is this, is this where the king of the Jews is born? I don't know. The, this two-year-old right here? I mean, think about that. We got a couple two-year-olds in this church, right? Miles, Matthew, he's three. He's running around. That's the king? Yep. This little kid running around. Why, we, why, they say, why I say two years old is because King Herod had asked the Magi, exactly when did you see that star? And, we'll get, and then he hunts down the two-year-olds later. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, so we, I think maybe around two, could be younger, could be one. Maybe, maybe he was still a baby. <laughs> could you imagine the king of the Jews in your arms? But a very purposeful gift because as soon as the wise men left, Joseph had another dream. 
Now, either Joseph was a very vivid dreamer, or Joseph slept really well because God likes to talk to him in his dreams. Or Joseph just was really thick-headed, and that was the only time he would, he would listen to God, is in his dreams, right? Maybe he didn't pay attention during the day, I don't know. That's how God could communicate with him. And he's like, get up, take your family to Egypt. That's going to cost some money to go from Israel through down to Egypt, right? And, and, and they had to move out of the country, but they had gold. They had frankincense. They had myrrh. They had things that, and he had a skill. We knew he was a carpenter. That skill can travel. That's a good one, right? Not every skill can travel. I mean, you try to, have you ever tried to make nets in the desert for fishing? Doesn't really work. But a carpenter, that would work a lot of places. But as they traveled, they had money for their trip. It was a very purposeful gift. But for the wise men, it cost them something. If you want peace in your life, it's going to cost you something. You can't have everything. Items don't equal peace. Stuff doesn't equal peace. Money does not equal peace. Money is a tool. It is a gift to be used for the purpose of God. Now, I don't know about Joseph, but I can tell you what I would do if all of a sudden I got this big bag of gold. Oh, yes. Whew. Mortgage payment paid off, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, I don't know what Joseph was thinking. All of a sudden, nope, you need to move your family, relocate. What? That's not what I want to do with this money. God, come on. It's not yours. It's his. He gave it to you to use for a purpose. But if you want peace, you need, to have, you need to be able to give it back to God. But not only did they travel, not only did they, they gift as a verb, they also followed God. Think about that. In the entire world, these wise men followed the star. That's a pretty big leap of faith, isn't it? And this is why I speculate that Solomon's words were there. Because they feared God enough to leave their land and go. They wanted to celebrate the king of the Jews. Like I said, how do they know it was the king of Jews? Probably because they may have read some prophecies. Maybe they already knew. But they didn't know everything because they didn't know where he was born. They didn't know Bethlehem. But they followed a star. I find it interesting. The scribes who knew where the king would be born, the Messiah would be born, didn't go with them. Matthew writes, showing how the Jews missed it and the Gentiles got it. The scribes that were on King Herod's payroll knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but if I was waiting for that, I would want to go see. But they didn't. 
they stayed, they missed it, but these Orient people came all the way and met the king, the real king. Just because you're presented with the truth doesn't mean that you'll understand the significance of it. What happened in that moment, so many people missed. But few got to experience it. Then they had a dream too, right? They had, they were celebrating. They're like, all right, we got to head back. They're on their way back and they get a dream as well. Don't go back to King Herod. Go another route. That would add a lot of questions. Would it not? I mean, I don't know where they were going to. Maybe their GPS was a better route. I don't know. But if you were supposed to go back to the king of the land, you would listen to the royalty, right? You would go and honor that. You would go back, and yet they, follow, they followed God more than king of men. They follow, then if you want peace, you will follow God more than the rulers of men. That will give you peace and the pursuit of it. Now, it might have more questions. This was a path of peace. Because the wise men went a different way, it gave more time for Joseph and Mary to escape. If they did not follow God, would they have been able to escape? God's big enough. Something would have happened. I think he would have taken care of it. But he knew... And this is what's, what's amazing. Not only did they follow the star, the wise men follow the star, they continued to follow God even afterwards. Isn't that just like us? Don't we need to do that? If we want to have continual peace, we need to continually follow after God? That it can't just be the one aha moment. Oh, we found a star. Oh, look, we found Bethlehem. Oh, look, we found Jesus. Okay, now what? Keep following God. Okay, God, you want me to go on this path? It doesn't make any sense. This is the better route, but we'll go this way because this is where you told me to go. And I go this way, I might have more questions, but it's a path of peace. If you follow God, it will be a path of peace. I promise you that if you follow God, it will bring peace rather than problems. If you follow God, it will bring peace rather than problems. Now let's look at the opposite of what happens when you're presented with the truth. Let's look at the king. Because he didn't cherish the peace. He compromised it. First of all, he feared King Herod was disturbed and all of Jerusalem. Think about that, right? This is your major city in your, in your country, right? Capital city. And this entourage of wise men come through, right? They probably got camels, right? A little bit of an Aladdin escort kind of maybe happening. And all of a sudden, he's, he's coming in. 
But it says, when King Herod heard what they were searching for, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was disturbed. Why? Would they not be filled with joy? Or were they scared of what King Herod would do? When you have a false sense of peace, you have to try all of your might to avoid uprising, right? He was asked about the star. Right? He asked about the star. He was a pretty good detective. I mean, you got to be pretty good at your job if you're the king of Herod, if you're placed over or the king of Herod, King Herod, over Israel. And we know that that's a puppet name, right? Because it's the Roman Empire, right? They were just, sure, you can be king, whatever, rule those people over there. Just make sure no one uprises. If you have false peace, you will always be afraid of losing it. True peace, God's peace, you're never afraid of losing it because it doesn't come from you. You can't create that peace. It's God's. And he was offended too. Notice, I mean, wouldn't you be offended? What do you mean there's a king of the Jews? Pfft, I'm king. And I didn't have any kids lately. Right? Like, you mean this one? No. This one? No. This one? No. If you were the person in charge of peace of the land, and then someone was born to challenge that, what would you do? If you were the one in charge, would you be excited that someone else was born to take over your place? I also find it interesting when he goes to the scribes, he's like, hey, where is that Messiah supposed to be born? The wise men didn't say Messiah. They said the king of the Jews. So King Herod knew about the threat, but he wasn't looking, like he wasn't, he knew about it, but he wasn't worried, or like he was trying to take care of it. But he didn't, he relied on other people. And sometime in your Christian life, I guarantee that you will be offended by the truth of Jesus. You're, you're going to be offended in this life. We joke about how our culture is an offensive culture. I take offense to that. I'm offended by that. You said you said something that hurts me. I deal with this with my kids a lot just because our culture is teaching them this. And I'm like, "Okay, good, you're offended. Now what?" Because you have to, there's, <laughs> when you get offended, you either are going to get better or get bitter. Your choice. And that one letter is going to make a big difference in how you rule your life. Because I know of bitter people because they won't let go of an offense. Because they've been hurt, and they're like, mm, I'm never going to get hurt again. Wall goes up. And the, and the Bible says that bitterness is a root. And roots get gnarly. They are hard to get out. 
I hate dandelions, y'all. Because I pull and I pull, but I never get the roots. And they keep coming up. That is what will happen with bitterness if you let it rain in your life and let it grow. You can affect the, what is on the outside. Be nicer. Put on a smile. Be happy. But that's not the root of the issue. And that root of bitterness will affect the whole life. And King Herod let that bitterness boil in him. And what I mean by that you'll be offended with the truth of Jesus. Because Jesus says some weird things. Be honest. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. You mean I got to hate my wife to be your disciple, Jesus? Or this, and if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for your entire uh, life to be crippled or lame than to have two hands and two feet and be thrown into the eternal lake of fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. It's better for you to uh, enter life with one eye than two eyes and be thrown into hell of fire. Or even this, Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. That offends me. I don't like this, all this Bible stuff. Listen, we are a whole gospel church. That means I believe everything front to back. Even the bad stuff. Why? Because I may not like it all. I may not even understand it all. That's good. I don't need to. I'm human. I'm made of dirt. But God is good. I do know that. And I know that if I follow God, that eternal life is going to be my reward. Not necessarily peace on this earth. Now if I follow after him, I can get peace that passes understanding. You might have to change the path that you're going like the wise men. Or you may even have to escape like Mary and Joseph. You may need to flee a situation to get the peace that you need. To avoid the problems that are coming. Joseph didn't know what was going to happen. He just knew he had to get out of Dodge. Sometimes when God tells us to do something, we may be totally confused. Why do I got to go? I don't know how to speak Egyptian. I mean, is it hieroglyphics back then? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know how to speak that language. Why do you want me to go there? Why are you calling me to be a missionary? Why do I have to go to Columbus? Why do I have to go out to Arkansas? I mean, I don't know. You fill in the blank. Alaska? I mean, Hawaii? Okay, God, I understand that one. Okay, I mean, whatever it is, whatever God's calling you to, follow him. You may be confused. It's okay. He's got a bigger plan, and his plan, will I promise, will give you peace. The problem that King Herod had not only was he bitter, he was afraid of losing peace, but he tried to control peace. How many of you have ever tried to control peace in a situation? You tried to make peace happen? Now listen, I understand that we are peacemakers. I get that. We're supposed to reconcile people back with God. I understand that's our role as Christians. But helping people to peace and controlling peace are two different things. 
I can offer you what I know is going to bring you ultimate peace, but it's your choice whether or not to choose it. I mean, I can try to force feed you, but it's going to get messy and you're going to probably be mad at me. I don't know. So let me ask you, when King Herod found out that he was duped, he was outwitted by the wise men. Gee, wonder how, because they're wise. They follow God. Um, but in that regard, when they followed God and King Herod knew he had been outwitted, what did he do? He killed every boy born in Bethlehem or around the vicinity two years and under. Because that's when the wise men first saw the star. And rather than controlling peace, he crushed it. So I have a question for you. Who are you going to be today? A wise person or a bitter person? Are you going to be like the wise men who took the option of the truth that they saw and they cherished it. Now put on your thinking caps, your creativity caps. But if this is the peace of God and God wants to give you the gift of peace, I can cherish it. I can hold on to it. I can use it when I need to. Like I said, when I was in the waiting room, not knowing what was happening with my mom and the peace of God that came over me, I can't explain it. I, I don't understand how people can go through traumatic times without relying on God. Because his peace is amazing. But I guarantee that if you try to control this peace and try to take it for yourself, you're going to crush it. And it's going to fall apart and it's never going to be the same again. And this peace that you so hard to work on, that, oh, I need it, I need to keep it. I, I just need it. Everything I do just doesn't seem to work right. How do I get it back? You can play around all you want, but it's never going to be the same unless you give it to God. And you say, God, this is your peace. I need yours. I can't fabricate my own, but I need your peace in my life. Be a wise person today and not a bitter one. Allow God and the peace of God to rule your heart.